Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you're listening to Ratchet and Respectable live from Tucson, Arizona. Do you remember a few weeks ago, I went to a wellness retreat in Arizona for Om Noir? We stayed at the Marival Resort. It was heaven on earth. I didn't know I liked the desert so much. I knew I liked looking at mountains. I have a mountain view from my apartment in LA. I'm obsessed with my mountains. But the mountains in the middle of the desert, in that good Arizona dry heat, which was so good for my curls. Oh my gosh, I had the best twist out that weekend. I judge weather by how it affects my twist out. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. But I had an amazing time at the resort. Such great energy, such amazing women, such openness and good food and good laughter and good conversation and good building. Everyone has their specific reasons for being in attendance, but in general, we're all there seeking something, searching something, looking for some sort of, of nourishment for our spirits. So many amazing women. I could go through the list of every attendee and every speaker. Everyone showed up open with their A-game, ready to share, ready to receive. It was my third Om Noir conference. I go as much because Christina is one of my close friends. And because she always goes to really dope places. She's, she's also how I ended up in Bali, at least for the first two weeks. The last week was on me. And she has another conference coming up that she just announced. You can check it out at, at Omnoir, O-M-N-O-I-R-E. She's doing a retreat for women and for men next time. She's teaming up with my brother, Bariola. I'm really excited for, for that retreat. I hope the guys show up in droves and get the healing and the wellness that they need. Random. The backstory of Ratchet and Respectable was supposed to be a retreat. My friend Alzo and I <laughs> sat on the phone one night coming up with like the best way to describe it. And we, we said that the retreat would be a celebration of joy for women seeking pleasure. Leave me to my own devices and I will, I will pull, I will be just like the art director and boomerang. Like, you can't, you can't just let me run amok. My retreat was like, I mean, it was wellness, I think. But I think, you know, a penis party is wellness. I'm dead serious. We could have, like, a penis painting party with, like, you know, in a place with chandeliers and, you know, white tablecloths. Because I like classy things. I also like ratchet things. I don't know what you want from me. There were other things involved. Like, there were classes about lingerie styling with boudoir shoots because everyone needs to feel sexy right one of the one of the classes that I wanted to have was I'm so glad I don't have a sponsor this week because the sponsor would be like ma'am this is not what we signed up for I wanted to have a class like how to bust a better nut for women did you know 35 percent of straight women don't have an orgasm when they have sex 85 percent of lesbian women do and 95% of straight men do. What the fuck? Another class was how to take the job out of a blowjob. Don't, don't act like these aren't things that people are concerned about. Don't nobody want to be down there all day? How to instruct your man to improve his sex game without damaging his ego. Shit women want to know. Shit I want to know. Shit. <laughs> but we're getting off track. The point is. I have an excellent episode for you today. Christina and I taped Ratchet and Respectable live. It's actually my second one. The first one that I did in D.C., they never sent the audio. Womp womp. 
Christina and I shared the stage at her retreat, and we had an amazing conversation about wellness, about friendship, about knowing your worth, about leveling up, and so much more. I really can't wait for you to hear this one. I hope that you enjoy listening to Christina and I as much as I enjoyed Christina, and I think the audience enjoyed us. You can hear them scream laughing throughout. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, there are no boys here, but there are boys listening. There will be boys listening. There will be boys listening. You're listening and watching Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas and my wonderful guest, Christina Rice. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. <laughs> this is very full circle. You pointed it out. I didn't even get like the irony of it. I was just like, oh, me and Chrissy, we're going to be on stage talking. Yes, yes. So you know how I spoke earlier about Angela being my former client. So was Demetria. Yeah. And this was for your second book. My second book, Don't Waste Your Pretty. One of the reasons you were like one of my favorite publicists is you were very behind the scenes mm. like if you follow certain people on instagram like you'll see the publicists like all up in the mix and you're just like there's there's a role for publicists and there's a role for people out front mm -hmm. and the publicist who wants to be out front never really works over well but you didn't like want to be in anything we at gma you don't want a picture and you were like no we're good yeah <laughs> and, uh, and now you're like i'm on stage right, and i'm in right. front of an audience and i have my own conference yeah i mean it's so crazy but a part of that was just my fear of public speaking and just being out in the forefront you know, the, um, the book by Shonda Rhimes, The Year of Yes. Mm. And so she had a fear of public speaking. And so in that book, she said she just kept saying yes, because for so long I kept saying no. And so I challenged myself for every speaking engagement. I was just going to say yes, no matter if I had nerves, no matter if I felt like I was going to pass out, no matter anything, I just kept saying yes. And over time, that yes became a hell yes. A hell yes. Yes. I will get up on your stage. It just feels surreal to be here. This is your third retreat. I know. I'll be going everywhere with you. I know. <laughs> it's fun. You're a good time. Oh, thank yeah. you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> but speaking of, of your retreats and your conferences, the last one that you did and that I attended was in Bali, yes. which I refused to leave. I was there for like three weeks <laughs> and I kept changing my ticket. But Christina puts on this wonderful retreat in Bali. It's very similar to this. It's a wellness retreat. People have thrown, flown halfway around the world in order to have an understanding, a healing, a conversation to commune with other women that look like them. They're going to do yoga. We're going to talk about uh, wellness and mind practices and food and all that stuff, right? We have this intro section. We asked everyone, why have you flown, ma'am, halfway around the world for this wellness retreat? What, what do you intend to get out of this? Why are you here? And it was about 30 women in the room. And I would say over half of them were there because they were in or getting out of or healing from a toxic relationship, self-included. All of these women, accomplished, beautiful, you would never look at them and, and know, because you know black girls are really good at this. Like We don't look like what we're going through. Yeah. But then people would get up and start talking and either be damn near in tears or be in full tears talking about the things that they're dealing with. And it was always relationship stuff or work stuff. We talked about work stuff already. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to talk about the relationship stuff today. Right. And last night, you touched on this a little bit. You talked about the, the catalyst for Om Noir right. was healing from right. a toxic relationship. Absolutely. I will never forget. And it was recently, and I'm trying to remember who said it, but it was so profound. They said, women, most of the trauma that we have is from the men in our lives, whether it's our fathers, 
whether it's our husbands or exes or boyfriends. And it resonated with me because I was in an extremely toxic relationship off and on for five or six years. You met him, you know. Um, I, I liked and, him. I didn't date him though. It's a difference. <laughs> you know, I don't have to deal with the day to day. I was just. There I used for to vacation. always have. I was like, you are a great friend and mm -hmm. a horrible yes. partner. And that's the difference. I'm sure many of us um, can relate to that because, of course, men and just like us, we can hide yeah. um, a lot of our trauma and for him, a lot of his toxicity and where that came from. And he never addressed it. And it was really always my fault, right? Mm -hmm. And that's an issue with men. And it's almost like a state of emergency now um, because we are on a healing journey. Women, we spend our lives healing. We go to yoga retreats. We go to therapy. We go exercise. We read books. And then men just sit there and be like, I'm good. Yeah. And so what's going to happen, right? And I've seen this with my other retreats is that when you go home, and you have gone through the, just this three-day journey. Because what self-care teaches us is boundaries. Mm -hmm. And it teaches us how we level up. So after you leave here, a day's end will never be right, right. for you. Right? <laughs> and it's the same with relationships. <laughs> am, I, am, I, am I correct? Can I get an amen on that? Right? Yeah. So it's the same with relationships. It's the same with anything in our lives. Once we start to work from the inside out, we know what luxury feels like. And when something that's less than comes into our orbit, we identify it immediately. We, we block it at the door. What's going to happen is you're going to start to see a shift in relationships. Because again, you're going to go home and you're going you're gonna to understand what healthy feels like. And if your partner is doing nothing to heal his trauma, which is probably from his childhood that he's never addressed, then you're going to go in a different direction. I hope you do. This process that I've been on, these retreats were my healing. I gave you what I needed every retreat. And it's like every retreat I've gotten stronger and I've healed, right? It's, I'm three years removed from it. And I would say this year is the first like maybe a couple months ago, I said, I feel like myself again. And that took about eight years. I've been having this uh, conversation with a guy friend of mine who's phenomenal. I mean, he's a great husband, um, great author, Bariola. Mm -hmm. And we talked about doing a co-ed retreat. Men need to see us in healthy environments, not angry, not cursing, not crying. But if a man walked in here right now, he would be like, what is happening here? Yes. All this I hope he would be like, I need to get my shit together exactly. too. Exactly. Because these women ain't going to put up with my shit no more. Exactly. Like, I want men to have their own personal retreat. Yes, like, yes. Like I want them to but work with But I feel like they us. need a transition. I mean, right? I feel they, they do. But I was like, I, there's some work that you need to do on, on you, yes. on just yourself and your masculinity outside of how it relates to me and my womanness and my femininity and my goddess and all that other stuff. Like, you, you want to be a Kang? You need to go get Kang training. Like, it's just, I just, I don't know. What was the turning point for you where you were like, I deserve better than this? Mm. Like when I started focusing on me and shedding layers of that pain, mm -hmm. I just, I, it was just one day I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm just 
I'm talking to women about healing. I'm, I'm healing and he's not like, we're just, we're not equal anymore. Once I started focusing on me and I started working from the inside out and I started healing, that to me was just a, a world I could not be in any longer. Mm-hmm. And it's been a it's been a a stance that I've taken since in dating. Like I just stop it at the door. I recognize it immediately. I had so many levels of toxicity. Um, I can see it coming through the door right now. Once you see bullshit up close, right. <laughs> you've seen the shit, you smell the shit. Yeah, like, you oh know no, what shit that's smells like. Shit. like <laughs> This conversation could go in so many different ways. So many ways. I know for me, like when I, I walked away from my marriage, I had a lot of guilt about choosing myself or choosing not to be in that situation. I think a lot of women, most women, we are programmed to be defined by a man. And I'm not saying this to brag, I'm saying this to make a point. Like I had a master's degree, I had like a couple books, I had like a good ass job, I had a bunch of bylines, I was on Good Morning America a couple times. And I would still go home for Thanksgiving and people would be like, but when are you getting married? You know, you guys have been dating for a really long time. Like, what's going on with that? I'm like, we're just going to skip over everything else. I had a lot of guilt about walking away from even a toxic relationship because I was like, I think I feel like I'm supposed to be happy to be with somebody. Did you feel guilt for choosing yourself? No, absolutely not. What I felt and the reason why I stayed in that relationship as long as I did is because I felt like a failure. Because I'm good at everything else. Oh, yeah. So I was like, this has to work because everything else I do works. works. Yes. And it works well. And so we had so many mutual friends and because people knew me and I, you know, I was public and people knew me as, you know, a well-known publicist because our relationship was out there. I just, I felt like I would look like a failure and that's what kept me in that struggle. And let's be real. A lot of us stay and struggle because that's what we're used no. to. Yeah. That's what, I mean, what did we say last night? Cause we just had, we just came yeah, up with our, make sure it was fresh. I didn't feel yeah. it was like stilted. <laughs> well, one of the things I shared last night was I was talking about my parents and last night um, when Angela spoke, she said, you know, if you were born into a situation that didn't quite Allison. work from you, Allison, excuse me. <laughs> when Allison spoke, she said, if you were born into a situation that you wish you could change, right? And she was like, you know, maybe your parents weren't together. Maybe they were together and dysfunctional. You didn't like the way you were raised. There could be a whole bunch of different things. I feel like every hand in the room went up. I married him because it mirrored in many ways dysfunction that I had seen. It was what I knew that I was also comfortable mm-hmm. with. I didn't know anything different. Same way with with my parents. Like, I never saw a healthy relationship. I didn't even know how to identify what was healthy. I just knew unhealthy, right? Me staying in that was, same with my mom, too long. Mm -hmm. Because for whatever her reasons for not walking away, I I mirrored that. And if I hadn't gone through my healing journey, I may have still been trying to make that work. To make that work. Yeah. No, like my parents, I mean, to this day are still married. They'll celebrate like 43 years. And, you know, it's not my relationship to judge. You know, I'm just the product of it. But sometimes I look and I'm just like, bruh, <laughs> sis, like th- th- these choices, you know, right. it's, it's very interesting. Right. And on top of that, after I left New York and left my husband, I moved home with my parents for like a year and change. Mm-hmm. And so I'd been with my parents, like, you know, I obviously grew up in the house, but I left when I was 17 to go to school. So I'm returning at 38 
and like the full adult who's gone out into the world, who's lived some life. And now I sort of see my mother through adult eyes or see my father through adult eyes. I'm much less judgmental of them. And so let me ask you, what was your turning point? Much like you, I am a fixer. I'm a life coach by trade. People write into me to ask me to fix their problems all the time. People pay me very well to, as a coach to fix their problems. And people always you know, sing my praises like, oh, Demetri is so great. And she does it quick and easy. And she just has these amazing insights. And I was like, okay, I can fix everybody else. What's wrong with me that I can't fix me? And then perhaps in my arrogance, I'm like knowing, because I'll always say like, it takes two people to make a relationship. It takes two people to break it. But I was like, no, I can fix this. Like, I see the problems, I can identify them. I'm gonna give you an action plan and you're gonna follow it and then we're gonna be good. Cause I come from a family of people who stay forever. Right. And then like the men die and the women live their best lives. That's a whole nother part. Do not tweet that. Do not tweet that. I got relatives who will recognize themselves in that comment. And then also, I was raised that you take your vows to God, not necessarily your husband, um, because that's the only way it's going to work. Cause people will fail you, God will not. So I was like, okay, I'm looking at this and this is looking a little crazy, but you know, me and God got this understanding. Like I took my vows and, and we're going to push through, we're going to push through and, and I'm obligated to be here and I have to be here and these things are not working for me. And I got shingles. We talked about that on yeah. the way in. Like I'm in a dysfunctional situation. I get this breakout. I got pain shooting up. Like, you know, if you ever hit your elbow or something, that's what shingles feels like. And it just runs. Girl, yes. Um, it just runs up and down um, from my middle finger, my index finger, and my thumb on this hand. It would just run back and forth all day. And it's extraordinary pain. It's a reemergence of chicken pox. So I go to this doctor, and the doctor looks at it. And he was like, you know, I don't need to run a bunch of tests. Like, you have shingles. And I was like, um, it's for old people. And he was like, yeah, it is. And he was like, you know, it's for people with compromised immune systems. I'd recently had an HIV test. And I was like, I'm negative, so I don't have that. And he was like, so old people, people with, you know, a, a compromised immune systems, and people who are under extreme stress. Like, are you stressed? I'm like, bruh. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm 35 years old with shingles. Like, yes, I am, I am stressed. Okay, I'm very stressed. But I'm, I'm sitting in this situation because I feel like I have to be here. I'm obligated to be here. I'm embarrassed about being here because like, I'm like the life coach who fixes everyone. I can't fix my ish. The final straw, we had been going back and forth. We get into these explosive arguments and I go home to my parents' house. And a really good friend who was also going through a divorce was like, you do not want to go for, through a divorce and you cannot, you cannot join your husband by being separated from him. And I was like, okay, this is sound logic. So packed up my stuff in my parents' house, went back to New York. I was there for right before Thanksgiving. He had back issues. He was like laying on the floor um, because he has back issues. I didn't like make him lay on the floor. Um, <laughs> but he was laying on the floor because of his back issues. And I was supposed to leave and go back to my parents' house for Thanksgiving. I was packing up my stuff and I looked at him laying on the floor and there was no food in the fridge. And I was like, you can't just leave somebody laying on the floor with no food in the fridge the day before Thanksgiving. Even through all of our ups and downs, all of our problems, like this is my husband and I can't do that to him. I stayed, I missed Thanksgiving, which is like my favorite holiday. He woke up the next day, he slept on the floor, so he felt fine. We were moving around each other, around the house, pleasantries and, and platitudes. And somewhere around two o'clock, he was like, yeah, so I'm about to go to XYZ's house. I am about to go to XYZ's house. And I was like, wait, I, I stayed here for you. Like I'm missing Thanksgiving with my family for you. And he was like, I can ask you to stay. Mm. 
And the truth of the matter is, he didn't. He did. I chose that, right? Like, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna stay, I'm gonna stay. And he was like, you can go, I'm fine. You can go, I'm good. You can go, I'm good. Like, and I didn't get the hint that, well, that's a whole nother story. Um, <laughs> but no, but that was, that was it for me. And yeah. I mean, that was Thanksgiving and I packed and moved. There was a lot of other things that happened, but I packed and moved on my uh, 38th birthday in July. Mm. Like I was just like, I, I tried. I don't want to be one of these people who like gets a divorce after 25 years. Cause I know a lot of people who do that. And they were like, when did you know? And they were like somewhere like before I walked down the aisle or somewhere, <laughs> or, or, you know, I think everything's good. And then right. somewhere around like year two, year three, but you stayed for another like 17, 18, 19, 20, yeah. 21, 22, 23. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was my mom's story. I mean, um, I remember I was probably maybe like eight or nine. And I was like, you know, we can bounce. Like, <laughs> and so like, <laughs> I we got good. You. I like, got you. We good. And she was like, I'll wait till, you know, y'all graduate from high school. And then it was college. And then it dissolved and just, you know, you know, flames in, in the worst kind of way. I don't know if anybody in here is going through this situation or they may face this situation, yeah. but you know, like the kids know yeah. that things ain't right, right? I don't know if yeah. you guys are a product of, of these situations. Like the kids always know. So when people are like, oh, I'm staying for the kids. Like, are you staying for the kids? You staying for right. you. If you don't want to go, I understand. But like, let's, let's call it what it is. Call a thing a thing. Right. And as, as their child, I like them so much better as people mm -hmm. separate. Had they separated younger, I would have learned my lessons earlier. I would have learned the beauty of walking away much earlier. I'm sure many of you are, are parents. That's one thing I want you know you to walk away is your child will adapt everything, your behavior, your um, your emotions. They see it, they feel it. They do what you do. They do what you do and they will mirror you. I mirrored for so long my dad mm -hmm. because in that in that process um, and going through uh, that relationship, I became toxic. So I, after I walked away from that relationship, I got into a relationship right after. And I, be, I became him. I became my dad. Mm -hmm. I was drinking too much. Mm -mm, I was girl. combative. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, I was everything. And so I just took all of that. That's through up until like 38. Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean. magic number. You must be. <laughs> Sorry, ladies and gents. We had a little bit of audio trouble there. But I'm going to pick back up where the good audio comes back in. My apologies. Demetria had a Carrie Bradshaw apartment. I did. That, I mean, she put so much love. I mean, you had the pinstripe walls. I did. I mean, you guys remember yes. that, that apartment, and you walked away from that. Yeah. I ain't on that shit. <laughs> <laughs> and let me be real clear. One of the reasons that I stayed was, like, this is part of what I write about in the next book that I'm working on. One of the reasons that it took me so long to go was emotionally I had to get myself together to leave because it's like it's a really big uphill process. Like you're, yes. you know, pulling the, the I say like to say this a lot. You're pulling the pin in your own grenade and you're just like throwing it in, into your whole life and every yes. aspect of it, your finances, your psychology, your emotional, your mental, your house, everything is, is about to go to pieces. And I knew that was going to happen. But another part of it was I had worked my ass off. I had sacrificed so much of my 20s and my, my 30s, like almost 20 years at that point, building my brand, building, having a professional accomplishment, being known, like chasing my dreams. And I'd sacrificed a lot of personal time, friendships, like a lot of stuff fell by the wayside, family time. Mm -hmm. And my apartment, 
I was a stable girl with a stable apartment. I never changed my phone number. Like you could come to my house and you knew which cabinet to go to to get the, the glasses out. It never changed. And one of the reasons that I stayed was because I wanted my stuff that was symbolic of the hard work that I put in and all the sacrifices that I made. So one day, as I'm thinking about leaving, I wake up in the middle of the night and I've fallen asleep watching Own. right? So they've got this rerun of Iyanla Fix My Life. And there was a woman, she was a first lady. She was with, um, obviously, a pastor. And he had fathered a child who was in the church. Anybody see this episode? Yes. Okay, so you know where I'm going with this. So Iyanla asked the woman, she says, ma'am, your husband has fathered a child outside of this relationship. At least one was in the church. I think there might have been another child, too. But he'd slept with other women in the church. Like, her husband was a whole ho, right? <laughs> But Iyana asked the woman, she says, ma'am, why are you staying in this relationship? And she says, well, I like the title of first lady and I like wearing like, you know, my big first lady hats. And I like the respect that people give me in the church. And I like my parking spot. Mm. <laughs> she had a first Priority. lady parking spot. <laughs> so Iyana was like, so let me be clear. So if, if you know that your husband has had an affair with women in the church and you know that he's had a child with somebody else in the church, the whole church knows, too. So when they see you come in, knowing that they know and knowing that you know, what they're giving you is not respect, it's pity. On top of that, you stand for some hats and a parking space. (laughs) Is this what you're telling me? You stand with this man who cheats on you, who disrespects you, your vows, your children, your marriage repeatedly. A parking space, some hats, and some respect, and a title. Mm -hmm. A title that's meaningless, and respect that people really don't have for you. Mm. And I was like, I'm sitting up in this house, over a $5,000 couch, a place that I rent, I don't own. I sat there one day, I was sitting on the couch and I tallied up like approximately the cost of like everything that was sitting in my apartment. I won't tell you what it is, but I'll tell you that I can make it working in a weekend. Mm-hmm. And I was like, once I crunched those numbers, I was like, oh shit, let me go get some boxes. <laughs> like, this is- you said uh, your friendships kind of suffered during that time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can relate to that um, because I remember that at some point, I just started to retreat because I could not hold the, the facade any longer. Like, I couldn't go outside and pretend to be happy mm-hmm. and that everything was okay because I was suffering inside. And, like, for us, we, you know, we, uh, we like to say black don't crack, but it, it does not matter if you're cracking inside. Yeah. And, you're, you're, and, and you're seeing it starts to manifest. And for me, I was missing cycles. You know, I, I lost like, I was like 120 pounds. Yeah, you were sickly for a minute. Yeah, you you remember that? I mean, you, your cheekbones were popping. But yeah. you looked a little... <laughs> and the clavicle was And good. the clavicle was, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and yeah. here's the thing. It's like, because I was also going through something, I can recognize like something's going on with you because yes. I, I know what it is. I know what that look is. Like, I know what it is to, like, look like you pulled together with me blinking the, blink the eyes. Yeah. You know? Um, and I can recognize anybody now. Like, I see people posting on Instagram, and I'm like, oh, sis, I know. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. Yes. How's dating now? I don't date. <laughs> I'm the happiest I've ever right? been. Nobody's son is bothering me. Like, I'm not... Yes. I'm not compromising. I'm not negotiating. Yes. I ain't got to be accountable to nobody. I ain't got to call nobody. Like... <laughs> It's, it's a and good life. And you just life. moved to L.A.? I just moved to L.A. three weeks okay. ago. What would you say to 33-year-old Demetria? Ooh. 
What would I say to 33-year-old Demetria? I would say trust your gut and don't be afraid to act on it. A lot of the mistakes, like the big mistakes that I've made in life, I knew they were mistakes before I made them. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to hope myself into a better situation or deny myself into a better situation or pretend. Because mm -hmm. sometimes that's not even hope and denial. It's just, I see the shit. I'm just going to act like I don't. And I would also say, listen to like 22-year-old Demetria. Because mm. 22-year-old Demetria yes. was very ambitious. Yes. Like she would go travel around the world by herself. Like she had no money. She was broke, but she was happy. Oh, man, that's a good point. I think... The difference between Christina in her 20s and Christina in her 30s, I was thinking about marriage, baby, age. Mm -hmm. So I stayed longer in something in my 30s because I felt like time was not on my side. In my 20s, like I would cut somebody off quick. Yeah. That's a good point. Like I would have, or I would have been Christina in her 20s if I could have, if I could do it over in my 30s. Yeah. yeah. Because I think at 20-something, mm -hmm. like... You're so free-flowing. The world is your oyster. Like, you yeah. feel like you can do anything. You're not bogged down with all these responsibilities. Like, you ain't got a lot of money. You might still be living at home. But you have, like, these big dreams. And anything seems possible if you just hope hard enough or work hard enough. Like, you're very idealistic. And somewhere around, I guess, like, approaching 30 and then definitely into 30s, I was like, well, these are the things I'm supposed to be checking Check off the list. Yeah. Like I said, for years, I never wanted to get married and was really good with that, right? Didn't want to get married, didn't want to have kids. And then somehow I got married and started talking about kids. And I was like, who is this person? I don't really recognize her. She don't look right either. And I was shiny all the time. I was like, something gone was going on inside. All right, ladies, y'all got your questions? Would you get married again? Ooh. I'm still married. I can't even think about that. <laughs> like, my divorce is not final. Like, that's not even something I can contemplate in my mind. I will say this, though. If I were to get married again, I would not get divorced again. Like, we can go move to the other side of the house. We can get separate apartments in different cities. You know, sometimes, like, you, you hear about those old people. Like, people who've been married forever, right. who've been separated forever, too. And then, like, everybody has their whole separate life. And then the person dies. And then the, other, the spouse comes in and was like, nah, I got this. Like, I got your retirement. I got your Social Security. Like, right. I got your house, the car. Like, everybody got to, you know, clear out. It would probably be one of those situations. I'm not going through this again. This is crazy. Mm -hmm. This is crazy. Like, you're trying to leave somebody and got to go to court for, like, a year and change. Yeah, that's a lot. I've heard you talk um, about how much you regretted your reality show. Mm -hmm. What made mm -hmm. you decide to do it in the first place, and why did you wish you never done it? It was presented to me as something entirely different than what it was. The idea was we're going to follow six entrepreneurial women in New York City, and we're going to talk about their entrepreneurial lives. You know, Christina and I were, were doing events. We were, um, my book was about to come out. I'm doing TV all the time. Like, there were all the, like, anybody who does events knows there's like 50 million ups and downs. If you interact with the public at any point, it's 20 million ups and downs. It creates its own drama without any enhancing. I had a real job, a real business, a real life, and then cameras came in and added all this like manufactured drama. And it was just like, I can't function like this. Like my, my mental health was suffering. Having cameras trained on you all the time where you feel like you have to be perfect and up in a full beat. Like it's hard to find time to run a business when you're 
with a stylist all day talking about clothes when you're usually sitting in sweatpants or you have to get your face done and then redone, face done in the morning for like one look and then we're gonna pretend in the afternoon is two weeks later so you have to, or a week later, so you have to get your face redone and get your hair redone and like changing the outfits. Like I was like, I can't function like this. I actually just wanna like do my job and like really work. And then most of the drama is like manufactured. Like if I don't like someone, I just won't spend time with you. Like, I don't need to have a big confrontation with you. I don't need to tell you about yourself or call you out your name. I just say, oh, fuck her. And no malice. I don't need to, like, drag you or talk about you behind your back. But when I'm done, I'm done. I don't go actively sit with people that don't like me and are committed to misunderstanding me for ratings. Because when the cameras weren't rolling, everybody was good. Remember I was on that episode? Your book release party in New York. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> right. Let's keep it positive. That was many years ago. I mean, she kept asking, because they kept asking you to film in my office. Yeah. And I was like, what? Like, no. And after probably like the fifth, and I was like, okay, I'll do it. But, but they didn't it was drama with you, which I was no, very adamant about. No, I remember about. it was like something, they, they, uh, it was something uh, between two castmates, and then they trained the camera on me. As I was trying to set up the, and I'm like, I'm not doing this right yeah. now. Yeah, and just behind the scenes, there was so much arguing of like what I will do and what I won't do. So like, I'm very clear on who I am. I'm very clear on how I want to be represented. I have my good days and bad like everyone else. Like I can be completely stank and an asshole, but I give the energy that I receive. You come to me cool, we cool. You come to me crazy, we can get crazy. I don't like to be that person, but I can be. But going the back and forth behind with producers, arguing constantly. We want you to do this. I'm not doing that. We want you to say this. I'm not saying that. You know, you need to start an argument with her. I'm not going to start an argument with somebody over nothing. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wasn't pleasant. Now we got hands. All right. Yes. The room is warm. Thank you. Um, so this was a question probably both of you can answer. Obviously, all of us here are in a process of healing, whether it's, you know, work, toxic relationships, whatever it may be. We are all here. We are all on this process. Um, but we have others that we love, other girlfriends that we love that aren't taking the same journey or are wasting their pretty. Yeah. And you can put the book in front of them. You can send them the, the Instagram name, but you feel like they're just not responding to it. How do you, or do you, like, continue to push to try to get them to where you are so that they can join you on this journey? Or do you just say, hey, okay, I'm just going to be here. I'm going to go on this on my own. You have to look at it like I can love them. And we've heard this plenty of times. I can love them from a distance because you're on your own journey. And you cannot, like Demetria said, carry anybody else's baggage because you got enough of your own, whatever you're healing from. What happens though is, and this happened for me, my former assistant and how I got into yoga, she came, we had dinner one time. I'm in the worst state and she is glowing and she lost weight. And whatever she was doing, I was like, can you bottle up, bottle it up and sell it? And she was like, I'm just going to yoga. And I'm like, whatever that is, I'm going to try it. I mean, I've taken classes before. I just was in a different space now. I needed it. Through that process, I'm here now. And when they see you glowing and see you healing, people are going to want some of that. And if they don't, you still keep on your journey. And another thing, and I want us to all keep this in mind. The way I look at friends 
is like the solar system. I'm the sun. And the planets closest to me get my sun and they get my light. And the ones that are further out, I might step out there every now and again, but I don't bring them any closer. And so you had to have to look at your circle of friends like that. Like who's closest to my son? Who's getting this warmth? Who has life around them? And then anybody else, they just got to be out there. It's a little dark and cold, but that's where they place themselves. And so you have to kind of look at it like that. I often say about like my friends, my friends are my friends. They're not my children. I'm not their mother. Mm -hmm. They are adults and they are entitled to make horrendous mistakes that I don't agree with. And that's just their choice. They have the same autonomy that I do. It's very difficult to watch someone that you care about make terrible decisions. You can make suggestions to them like, hey, girl, I've been going to therapy. It's working really well for me. Do you think you might want to go? I think you might want to talk to my lady. Give a, give a little suggestion. But if folks don't, you know, if they're not ready to heal, there's nothing you can do. If they're not ready to do better, there's nothing you can do about that. And sometimes it's really, really hard to watch. But eventually they wake up in the same way that you did. Because at some point, someone was looking at you, going through your mess, and was like, girl, you really you might want to come talk to my therapist. Mm. Hello, so this question can go to either one of you all. Can you talk about authenticity and staying authentic to yourself as you are navigating a corporate environment as well as maybe even a side hustle? Your authenticity is what separates you from everyone else who's doing the same thing that you are. I mean, there's a couple of people working in tech who are actually inventing the wheel. Everyone else is, is reinventing or adding on to what already exists. What you bring to the table is your you. So when you start dulling things down, trying to fit in, be part of the culture, play down, talk different, all of that. And I know sometimes I say that and people be like, look, but I'm the only black girl in the office. They know you black. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, that's not something you should dumb down, that's something you should enhance because your insight there is what, you, what makes you different, makes you stand out. Good, no. You want that one? Oh, you okay. took that one. All right, <laughs> <laughs> All right that works. Uh-huh. So we have a question from Instagram Live. Oh. oh. Are we live? I didn't know we were live. <laughs> we were live earlier. As women who've been friends for years, clearly, why is it so important to continue to manifest your friendship in different ways and supporting one another on this new platform? Like, we vibe, so yeah. it just sort of comes natural right. to, to me. Like, even when we first met, like, you were a friend of Isis. Mm -hmm. And I, I heard really good things about you. As a, you were Helena's publicist. Helena, who wrote um, Bitches in New Black, who at the time wasn't my friend. Such a good book. And is now, like, one of my closest yeah. friends. Like, I went to her wedding. Like, but no, everyone spoke very highly of you. And then when I met you, you had, like, good energy. And I was just like, oh, I like her. And then, I don't know, we, we weren't working together yet, but you were doing something in the Poconos. And you invited oh. me. Oh, yeah. And I remember, like, we were supposed to, was it your birthday? Was it New Year's? New Year's. It was a New Year's. Yeah. So I guess we were talking about like, you know, things that we're thankful for. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I was thankful for was meeting you and becoming your friend. Because I remember saying that I don't really, oh no, we just started working together. That's what it was. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, when I started working with you, I, I felt like I had arrived. And then because we were at the Poconos, it was kind of like my adult level up. Because I wasn't spending New Year's like in the club anymore. We were in the, in the mountains. We were in the mountains. <laughs> you know, we were it's like a whole bunch of friends. Like we were drinking like good wine. Her, My best friend. Her yeah. best friend Iman <laughs> is a chef. Iman made like like ten course dinners. Like it was. I was like, oh, this is the life I would like to live. <laughs>
we started working together and we were good we were a good match and we started traveling together and you're just always there we did so, that 10 days in morocco oh on day eight it was it, it was getting a little <laughs> it was getting a little tight <laughs> so morocco was weird though so the american idea of space doesn't exist in morocco remember the sofa tale Oh, you tell that story. Just tell that story. It's all right. So it's, it's a mess. We're very close after this trip. I started calling you my wife, right? Because we were sharing like a full size bed, and that we had were two the, like, um, women with booties and yeah. hips. Like that was we was. I was like, we married now. <laughs> like, <laughs> so Demetria was in charge of accommodations. You were getting us place. Oh no, was that me? That was you too. Oh my bad. Okay. <laughs> okay. So then, right, to find some we pull. Uh, I mean, it is gorgeous. The grounds. I'm like, we have a ride. It's midnight. So I sit down because she, you know, is in control of uh, accommodation. So I'm, uh, I'm checking my email. We're on Wi-Fi. I'm just. I'm I would just ready. like to point out that I had everything. I had, <laughs> I had printed out because I didn't know if I'd have internet access. I had confirmation numbers for everything. Carry on. I'm sitting there, I'm just, I'm just, I'm already in the tub, right? She turns around, she was like, they don't have our reservation. And I was like, oh, okay, this is fine. You know, because I'm just, it doesn't register. It's not landing. And I was like, oh, just, you know, they'll just book another room for us. And she's like, no, the, the hotel is full. Yeah, it's a conference. It's a conference. Yeah. I physically pick up my laptop, go to the, to the desk, and I'm like, can you repeat that? So there's no rooms at all. And he's like, no. He's like, I can call a few places. So I'm Googling. I'm like, oh, okay, this hotel is five star two. Let's do it. They're booked. Booked, booked, booked. Then it was called the Oscar Hotel. He was like, this is a good hotel. <laughs> and I was like, cool. yes, he did. He was that. like, it's a good hotel. No. We call a taxi. Now we're driving through downtown. And downtown, it started getting a little rugged. A little? (laughs) No, no. We pull up, and I'm like, okay, this is different. Go into the lobby. Half the lobby is dark. And we're, I mean, it literally looks like the base motel. Standing at the desk, and all of a sudden, I hear snoring. Oh, and yeah. out of the dark. And so the guy appears out of the dark and he's a security guard. And I'm like, this is not. I didn't feel very secure. This is not happening here. I'm like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to WhatsApp my mom. Cause he's like, oh, we have Wi-Fi. So I could, I was just, I just wanted her to know where we were. They take us up to the room and it's two twin beds walking and one of them is leaned over to the side. No, no it was three beds. Wasn't it was it? three beds. It was like three single beds. It was a hostel, like, basically. Before. Yeah. The bed is leaned over and I'm like, um, that bed looks broke. He's like, what? I'm like, the bed is broke. He's like, okay, we'll take you to another room. When I tell you, we got into that room. Demetri and I slept. In our clothes. In our clothes. Put our luggage in front of the door. <laughs> <laughs> and all she kept saying was, I'm so sorry. I really, I, I wanted, I tried to get you a sofa tail. She booked it on this third, third, third party site. It, it was wasn't like, a third, third. It was, <laughs> it was one third. It was like, like a Goda. Yeah, it was like a Goda. And like, I'm like, what? It wasn't two thirds. It was just one third. <laughs> just FYI. So, I was trying to save us money. The taxi driver, he ended up 
He was like, call me if you guys want to go around. We knew places we wanted to go and fish. I mean, we we woke up at the crack of dawn because I was like, we have got to get yes. out of here. He ended up driving us, what, five hours to our next Yes. Our next He took spot. us around the city all day. Yeah. And I, I was in charge of transportation. Oh, <laughs> oh we wanted to rent a car. We were going to rent a car to drive from one city to the other city. But Pizzeria. Isaria, which was yeah. beautiful. It's like this yeah. like fishing town. It was beautiful, right? So we we're gonna drive five hours to this other place, but it's a I don't want to say a third world country. It's a different country, right? right? So automatic cars are more or less like an American thing, and neither one of us knows how to drive stick. So as we're getting ready to go to the yeah. rental car company, he's yeah. like, Do you know how to drive a stick? And we're like, mm, there's no. no trains, there's no buses that go to Isaria. And so we were like, Will you just drive us? He stayed with us for three days and took us to Atlas Mountains, and it was $200. Yeah. So Atlas Mountains was the end of the trip, and you did redeem yourself. I redeemed myself in Isaria as well. Oh, yeah, you did. Like, you that did, was a yeah. bomb hotel in the middle of everything. It was, I made some mistakes. I'm, I'm willing to take accountability. I've since become a better traveler. I pinched just everything down. For us, just as friendships, it's also not being afraid to call each other out on our shit. Like yeah. there's a healthy way to say, look, I didn't really like that. And as the other adult, it's like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Let's fix that. And also so, I think like, yeah. there have been things that you've said to me where like, I didn't necessarily agree with, I didn't agree, like you, like you were wrong, right? And I didn't necessarily feel I was wrong, but I value our friendship. And so I'm like, you know what? I apologize because mm -hmm. I don't want something petty or minuscule to stand in the way of us moving forward, you know, as, you know, friends and business mm -hmm. and travel mm -hmm. and all that other stuff. So I think when you value people, you behave different. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I know you both just moved to a new city. Mm -hmm. And as somebody who's also approaching 38. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're a magic here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to give that advice because I had a whole other support system in Atlanta. And it was also one of the reasons why it made sense for me to move there. I had tons of friends. So my transition was really, really easy. Like it just, it, it wasn't even a transition. It was like, I just moved houses. And the same thing with me with like LA, like my best friend had left me in New York. <laughs> She's sitting right here. Um, <laughs> she, she was like, oh, I'm never going any further than Jersey. And then like one day got like a job offer and was like, so deuces upon you. I will see you on the West Coast. And I was like, wait, what? You're leaving me? But when I moved to LA, like all my friends are here. And that was part of the reason. It was like everyone, there's a mass exodus from New York to yeah. LA. And I debated going back to New York, but I'd been spending more time in LA. And I was like, I don't want to have like a winter coat. But I don't know, but I would say that if you're, if you're moving to a different place and you're trying to find friends, get involved in things. Like if there's any organizations like business-wise or sororities or things that you like to do, just make an active effort to like get up out of your house and, and meet people. And I've even started meeting people in LA. It's just like, you know, I'm doing this whole like friendly Southern girl act where I'm speaking to everyone. And people are just like, this is strange, but hello, young man. Like what's, what's going on with you? Strange Southern girl. I tell people I'm from D.C. as opposed to New York because then they're like, oh, she knows the ways of our land. Mm -hmm. No, just like, oh, no, I'm from D.C. I just moved here three weeks ago. And then people start telling me stuff like, oh, you should call me and hang out. I should. <laughs>
I have never seen a recruitment for a city the way that California does. <laughs> like they are serious about like importing more black people. It's very strange. They have a whole yeah. commercial that's just nothing but black people. Yeah, like yeah. come to Cali. Even just like the like regular like people who just live in California just like sing its praises like that never happened in New York like New York like we full don't come yeah Atlanta Atlanta said Atlanta be like, we full. like we full and I'm like no 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 DC no. is like if you black I'm you coming. can come everybody else the gentrification there is on another level oh hold on oh, we got one more question guys one more do you guys currently have mentors and has your mentor changed over time oh I do Angela. She don't, I mean, she doesn't really know it, but <laughs> I mean, I haven't necessarily called her my mentor, but she, to me, um, is, is definitely my mentor. I mean, you know, she went from client to friend and now she just gives me just incredible business advice. And even just having lunch outside, she was like, okay, this is what you need to do to scale on noir. You need to look at the Ted talk model like that's I mean so the conversations we have um I feel like is a mentor mentee relationship she's younger than me yeah she's she's awesome yeah yeah I feel like mentorship is based on knowledge on knowledge and yeah. connections too yeah and connections like I don't Absolutely. care how old you are my um my really good friend um Kiola, she was, I don't think she'll care if I say that, mm-hmm. but she just started working with like a new business partner and he's 24. He's fresh out of college. Wow. That kid is, I shouldn't call him a kid. That young man, now I feel old. Yeah. <laughs> that 24 year old, Tyler, he won't care if I say his name. He's like, Tyler is the shit. Like I went to lunch with him like right before I came here. We were talking about like what I do. And he was like, oh sis, you should be on a college tour. And he was like, I mean, I did the, the BSU and this and this and this and that when I was at NYU. I know the people at Columbia and I know the people here. And he was like, let me just put a tour together for you. And I was like, well, sure, Tyler, All right, you, got you got it. I've had the same mentor since I was 22. He was my professor in grad school. He is a, he'd be very upset if I called him middle age. He is in his <clears throat> 50s, later 50s. He is a really cool Jewish guy who just for some reason likes to like mentor black girls. Like he just, I don't know, it's his thing. Anytime in my life and I'm just like, I applied for a job at Hearst and they get hundreds of submissions. And he was like, oh, I know like the executive vice president so the guy, like the executive vice president is emailing me in my Gmail, like, hey, so what job are you looking for? And I was like, I'm not trying to run the company. I just, just want to be an editor, like, just, <laughs> like an associate editor at that. Like, it's, it's not really high level. But he's, he's like really dope. He's super well connected. I can ask him anything and he just knows someone who knows someone. Um, he just gives me like really great advice. He stopped me from being a lawyer. That's got to count for something. <laughs> that was awesome, right? I promised you awesomeness. I do what I can for the people when I can do it for the people. So that's our episode this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. And yes, next week we will be back. I have something good in the works. I don't want to tell you what it is because it's not written in stone yet, but I hope I can make it happen. A much needed conversation with one of my favorite people still trying to work out our schedule. She's a busy woman. So am I. So in the meantime, thank you as always for tuning in, for listening. If during the week you need to get a little ratchet and respectable in your life, you can always follow me on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, primarily at Demetria L. Lucas, add in the L, that's important. And you can follow me on my blog at DemetriaLLucas.com. So yes, we'll speak again next week. Talk soon.